listener production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Welcome to another edition of the summer series of Morning Agenda, where we take a look back at the major issues that have set the agenda in 2022. Today, we're looking at the COVID crisis and what the future may look like. In the last episode, we spoke with one of our nation's leading infectious diseases experts, Professor Brendan Crabb from the Burnett Institute. He gave us a very sobering warning that he believes the current COVID crisis is the greatest public health disaster in living memory and why the governments have failed us with deadly and devastating consequences. But the good news is Professor Crabb says there is hope and we can tackle COVID, but the governments must urgently change their current COVID strategies. In today's episode, we'll look at why our leaders must apologise and take action now. Professor Crabb will also share with us why we all need to still care about COVID and what small measures we all can take to stay safe and stop tens of thousands of people dying unnecessarily. Professor Brendan Crabb, thank you again for joining us. Pretty confronting episode we aired yesterday about where we are with the public health disaster with COVID right now. Do you think this is the result of really weak leadership that the government, as you mentioned, needs to step up and say, we got this wrong and this is what we need to do to prevent more people dying and to start to somehow control COVID? Well, we we definitely have to shift our strategy. So I'm I'm fond of saying that for things to change so that we don't have another four waves in 2023, and, and and I should say even though we've had four waves in 2022, we never had a low point, right? The difference between the lowest point of a wave and the top of the wave is only about four times. Um, the lowest number of people in hospital in 2022 for COVID was 1,400 people. The maximum was 5,500. So, so if we are to prevent that in 2023, we have to have an attitude change that says actually COVID in our broader community it's the spreading of COVID in our kids, the spreading of COVID in healthy adults and so on is not okay. It's not okay. And we're going to set some targets about how we uh, are going to get those numbers down. The good news is it's not too hard. Even when we have a wave, our, our effective reproductive rate, that means how many people are giving it to others, is only just over one. The good news there is that it doesn't take much to bring it just under one you know, encouraging mask wearing, encouraging clean air strategies, encouraging better vaccination, testing, isolation and drug treatment. They're the things we have. And no rule changes, just encouraging them based on a change of strategy that comes from the top. Unfortunately, the current mindset has the Prime Minister and everyone underneath him saying COVID is no longer, and I quote here, exceptional. It is no longer exceptional. You know, I find that bizarrely wrong. You know, 20, nothing else kills 25,000 extra people in a year. Uh, COVID is doing that. Influenza killed 300 people this year. And yet influenza was ki- compared to COVID in Australia. This is why people are not getting boosted. Um, this is why people are not wearing masks, why businesses are not... Um, going overboard to, to have their offices with, with clean filtered air or UV treated air or ventilated well, 
because I don't think it's an issue because the Prime Minister and everyone else has told them it's not an issue. So if we want to fix things in 2023, we need a strategic 180 to say we're moving away from our current strategy, which says infection is okay, not in a vulnerable population, but infection in the rest of the population is a good thing, to infection is a bad thing, and should be avoided like the plague that it is. Um, not just to protect the vulnerable, although that is the only way to protect the vulnerable, but we've got this emerging long COVID issue that we're very concerned about. There's still some, uh, some uncertainties there, but we know that a very large proportion of the population um, is going, are going to suffer and are suffering chronic conditions. We have to turn this around. We don't want rule changes. We want you to come with us and we'll help you get there. That's what's going to make 2023 better. If no one has the courage to do that, then the problem continues. And do you think in light of that, if we don't have a turnaround from both the federal and state and territory governments, because I agree with you, it seems like all political leaders either side are burying their head in the sand saying, don't mention the C word, don't mention COVID. If we don't have a turnaround in some type of new strategy with dealing with this, will we continue to see new waves with this professor and just more different variants and subvariants? Well, it certainly looks that way. You know, I can't predict the future. I mean, what, what has happened, though, in the past year is the Omicron type of virus, and there are other types of COVID that have disappeared for the moment. You know, Delta, Alpha, previous strains have disappeared. We've got this Omicron version that keeps evolving and evolving fast to get around the immunity that we've built up both from vaccines and from prior infections. So we keep playing this game of catch-up. Now, you know, the, the July-August wave was Australia's worst. This one's looking pretty bad. You'd have to be a very optimistic person to think the next one we have in, in January, February next year is, is somehow going to be fine. You know, the, the likelihood is if we keep our current approach to being casual about infection, we'll keep having waves of this sort and then even more worrying is that the virus evolves in a step change way, like it did when Omicron arose in the first place, like it did when Delta arose, like it did when Alpha arose, where, you know, this completely different looking COVID, still COVID, but a completely different looking virus arises. Now, the driver of that happening is numbers. So the, the, the more viral numbers there are out there, the more opportunity the virus has to evolve into something that it can trans, you know, that can transmit better, which is what it wants to do in the face of the immunity that's out there. So we have to reduce numbers. It is a numbers game. We have to have less people transmitting the virus. And it's not hard to do that. And even a halving of the numbers would make a radical difference. You know, we don't need to go, can't throw your hands up and say, oh, we've got this massive problem. Turning it into nothing is, is like impossible. Well, no one's asking that. We're asking a change that might halve it or make it a third or a quarter the size it is. You know, that would actually transform uh, the capacity of the country to cope and, of course, save a lot of lives. Professor, I think many Australians are frustrated right now. Of course, all of us are exhausted. When I hear someone say, I'm over COVID, I think, do you think the frontline workers that have been wearing full uh, protective gear for the last three years are over COVID. Of course they are. I think Australians are frustrated though by the constant mixed messaging. We even had controversial comments in 2022 from 
A former health boss, Nick, Nick Coatesworth, saying during the interview, look, I'd advise parents to think twice about getting their kids vaccinated. Then we had the federal health minister say earlier this year, oh, we won't have a COVID wave during uh, Christmas and New Year. Now we know both of those schools of thought are not only wrong, but very dangerous about putting the messaging out there. Do you think that's why Australians, even if they are recommended to wear masks and to stay at home, won't? Because they think COVID's over because the leaders are telling us that. I think that, that mixed messaging comes is very true and very damaging. It comes from a strategy that is above that, that we don't want to really talk about, you know, and that is that um, we actually think getting infected is our way out of this. Mm. You know, that's an elephant in the room. No one is going to tell you, Natasha, that that is the strategy, but of course it is. We think hybrid immunity is our way out. We wanted to get vaccinated first, which Australia did, right? The governments gave us this great gift of everyone getting at least two doses largely before the virus went through the community. That was fantastic. And then the strategy is um, it's okay if in healthy kids, healthy adults, the virus goes through it and goes through us repeatedly to build up immunity and that will see the end of the pandemic. Um, when that's your strategy, it's actually a little bit hard to explain. You won't see that um, talked about at National Cabinet and, mm. and, and coming up in the press conference, right? But that's the plan. But you can see how it makes messaging pretty tricky. As soon as we change that strategy, as soon as the Prime Minister gets up and says, um, I tell you what, we are going to try to halve the numbers. We've got to halve the numbers. And we need you to come with us on that journey. I can tell you the messaging will sharpen up overnight. In fact, it'll sharpen up within minutes uh, of those leaders. At the moment, they're doing a dance to try to... Um, uh, you know, justify a strategy that they can't admit to. So what, what would you say, Professor, for anyone listening to this podcast, this special episode right now, what would your key message be to them about COVID for 2023? Well, my message to individuals and to those who have the capacity to influence the environment they're in, their home, their workplace, their school, is to remember that COVID is still with us and you can actually do something about it. There are only three things you need to keep in mind. You need to keep up to date with your vaccinations. They are still fantastic to get from kids through to adults. Please be up to date with your, your uh, vaccines. Um, COVID is an airborne disease. So apart from vaccination, vaccination, you've got to think about the air you breathe wherever you are. Uh, and and so what am I doing or what can I do? Can I open a window? Has this room got a, a filtration unit in it? Is that filter on? Um, you know, try to breathe clean air. And if you're not convinced you can breathe clean air in a crowded space, you need to wear a mask. And because it's an airborne disease, you need to wear a mask that fits you well, that is preferably one of these respirator type masks, a KN94 and N95 mask, but, you know, has a good seal around it. So breathing clean air is the second thing you do, and I put mask use into that. And then the third thing is get tested if you're crook. Um, there's enormous power in getting tested. A lot of people think, well, why don't I get tested, you know, if, if I can't do much about it? Well, you, you actually can do something about it. The first and most important thing, and this will become more and more available, is there are good drugs now 
for COVID, especially one good drug called Paxlovid. And if you can get hold of that, um, it's it's likely to greatly reduce your chances of, of significant illness. Now, not everyone's eligible to get it, but if you are, you should get it. You can only get it if you're tested. Right? And the second reason is you can be careful about infecting others, infecting others in your family, infecting others in your workplace. You know, obviously, I'm a fan of isolation, um, uh, but there's it's not the only way. You can make sure you wear a KN94, N95 mask wherever you go, um, uh, never go around to, to vulnerable people and so on. So vaccination, breathe clean air and get tested is what we as individuals and any community that we can kind of influence can do. We're told to take matters into our own hands. It's a time of personal responsibility. I find that a ridiculous public Indeed. health notion, but that is, is what we are told to do. So we have to try to do that as best we can while, um, you know, banging the door down to the people we elect to protect us and saying, can you make those things um, available? And affordable. Can you make, uh, exactly, well, that's, that's what I mean. Can you make masks free? Um, can you provide tests for those who can't afford it? You know, no, I don't need a GP referral, please, for a test. Can you just make it available because it's, that's too much of a barrier? All of those sorts of things. And fix up your messaging, please, um, uh, by by being explicit about what the plan is. And if the plan's to get infected, as I've said it is, be explicit about it. Um, if the plan's not to get infected, which is what it should be, please be explicit about that. And and be straight, be honest. And being straight and honest says COVID is exceptional. This is very unusual. We don't have other diseases like this. Uh, it's threatening our health more generally. Uh, we need to do something about it. And if we can press our authorities to say things like that, we'll turn this around. It's not that hard, actually, to turn it around. Uh, we just need, you know, that, that strategic 180 and everything else will fall into place. Um, and the final thing I'd say is to the community, the science doesn't sit still, right? So the vaccines we have now are not the vaccines of tomorrow. We'll have better ones. We have ones that you spray up your nose, for example, and have fantastic transmission blockers. We'll have one jab that protects you against all variants. You know, we'll have a whole slew of new drugs, not just the, the one or two that we have at the moment. The science will keep moving. You can, we can hold the line, right? We don't have to have this philosophy, everyone needs to get infected forever as often as possible because nothing will ever change. That's not true. That's not true. Um, we need to keep numbers down using the methods that I've mentioned and science like crazy our way out of this. And that's what humans have done before and that's what we will do, uh, you know, we'll keep doing for this and in the future for any other challenge. Thank you so much for your courage. A pleasure as always chatting with you. And like you, I'm angry because we didn't have to be here and we need great leaders from both sides of politics. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor Brendan Crabb, the Director of the Burnett Institute. You're very welcome. Thanks, Natasha. 